Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you're in the right place. My guest this episode is a former professional baseball player playing in the major leagues for the Astros, Padres, and the Giants. He's also the author of the book, From the Bullpen to the State Pen. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Brandon Puffer. happy to be here excited to have you you got a big old smile i love it it makes me smile uh makes <laughs> my you. my monday mirror neurons are firing i'm um, so excited to have you but um your book that's linked up here uh catchy title from the bullpen to the state pen um i guess let's start there and if without uh too many spoilers uh, just kind of the cliff notes about uh what your book's about and, and why you wanted to share the story yeah, for sure, Tyler. Absolutely. So I basically, like I said, in a kind of a cliff note version, it's just a story of, you know, a young man had a, had a dream of being a big league ball player, like like a lot of kids. And then kind of the, this the work ethic and the, the consistency, perseverance, you know, luck, the blessings from God, all those things that had to come in to achieve that, which I was fortunate enough to, to achieve that dream. And then, you know, after that, just kind of the, the parallel to that is, addiction and some demons I was fighting off the field and kind of caught up with me and then had a my career ended with me getting in some trouble off the field and having to go through some consequences so it's a book of choices and consequences for sure and then ultimately redemption as well like where do we go from here after we've made that big mistake now what you know so uh just kind of everything I learned through the journey of, of all those kind of ups and downs yeah well, uh, appreciate uh, you coming on to share a little bit about it. And uh, yeah. I guess in the redemption part, um, yeah. you know, what, uh, where did you find the path to, to redemption? And I think, you know, what, yeah. what were, you know, maybe some faith the things you believe, but also I think behaviors that, that we sure. look at that I think have to kind of parallel some of that. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Tyler. It, it is it's impossible to share my story without the faith aspect for sure. But to your point, I mean, absolutely. That's where it started. It's just kind of a surrendered life to, you know, for me, I'm a Christian. So it was like, Hey, you know, my choices got me here and by here, I mean, I think we'll get there, but in prison and now where do I go from here? God, I just, I surrender everything. And so that was the first part, but then, yeah, you totally have to restructure your thoughts and be so aware of them. The cognitive intervention part is, was huge and still is huge for me in terms of, just replacing those negative thoughts and just not dwelling on, um, you know, those, those voices or thoughts that tell you you're not good enough or, or, you know, well, it's okay if you just go do this behavior, no big deal when you know it's not right. So just being very aware and conscious of, of that. And it's just having a routine every day of, of being in prayer, being in the word, uh, listening to positive podcasts and uplifting people and um, just kind of being around the right, surrounding yourself with the right folks is definitely a big part of it. And, and again, just kind of start with that surrendered life and then, okay, what are the steps to walk this out every single day? Cause it's, it's gotta be actionable for sure. Yeah. I love, I love how you brought up routine because a lot of, as, as athletes and, and when you're on the mound, um, can you talk about the importance of routines? Just like you talked about, I mean, in your life today, but, um, having them when you're on the mound and having maybe routines with your family or, you know, with yourself, uh, but, uh, 
I, I'm sure you they evolve, but uh, talk a little bit about uh, just the importance of developing those different routines. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, like you said, it just started with being an athlete and, and um, you know, being a baseball player and kind of if you're prepared, preparation kind of leads itself to confidence. And so, um, yeah, finding a routine that works for you in terms of, you know, your workouts leading up to competition the meals that are best for you, um, you know, your sleep patterns, uh, all these different things that helped me as an athlete really helped me through my, my hard times. I had to find a routine to make it survive every day for a while. And then now having a routine that, that is, is best making me the best version of me to be the best father and to be the best husband. And so for me, that's, that's waking up. I mean, the morning routine is so important, right? How we start our day, you know, before we get on the phone and start, you know, getting after it, it's like, okay, a little bit of meditation, a little bit of prayer, a little bit of just uh, self-reflection. What do I want to accomplish today? Like, God gave me one more day. What, what are we going to do today? You know, and so I think walking that out and throughout the day, again, back to for me, you know, mental health is a big thing. So being um, being very strict about making sure I get a workout in is, is really helpful for me. And along with that, you know, nutrition, sleep again, and all those things that kind of take care of my mind and my body, give me a better chance to, to make good decisions and, and be yeah. the best version of myself to be around. And yeah. it's not perfect, man. And, and a lot of times I'll, I'll be, you know, thinking knucklehead thoughts again, or, or responding in a way that I don't like to respond to people. And usually I can kind of look back and go, Oh man, I've been off my routine for a couple of days. I need to get back on it. Yeah. Can you, in my own life journey, I think when I struggled with mental health and, and just kind of anxiety and depression in my late twenties, um, what was shown to me through through other people was I got away from a lot of the athletic habits, the people I surrounded myself, some of the nutrition, the wellness, the working out. Um, yeah. And looking back, I think it was also because um, football was over. And I thought with that was some of my identity. And I think so. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how important having an identity, I think, outside of sports is as well, and how that leads to our behaviors? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know why it looks like I'm seizing because I'm not. Um, I feel really good, man. I don't understand what's going on there. There we there go. go. There we go. That happened one other time. That's really weird. I don't know what the connection is there. But um, no, man, definitely. Yeah, it, it's it, it doesn't take me long at all to just start feeling really crummy, for lack of a better term, when I get off of, you know, a lot of those those routines. And I think as athletes, we had to do it for so long. That it was a little bit refreshing to just go, oh, man, I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to be in peak performance every single day. But then you realize, you know, that some of those same attributes, you know, to your point, the nutrition, the health, the sleep, the, you know, for me, with again, same thing, anxiety, depression, uh, very active mind, uh, getting that workout in is just so imperative for me now more than not, you know, I'm not really going to jump on a stage or, or be on the mound or anything, but it's like, you know, there's some vanity. It feels good to look good, but it's like, man, I just feel better when I go get those, those yeah. serotonins yeah. pumping and, and get all the endorphins yeah. kicking. And um, so, yeah, I, I agree. And I think why people get away from it and you can probably attest is like, you've had to do it for so long that it's like, man, it's kind of nice to not have to do that. Mm -hmm. But now it's about, you know, for you and not, not just for performance for anybody else, just for you. Like, how do you feel best? And I know for me, I'll, I'll I'll get off it for a little while, like the holidays. I'm like, you know what, for a month, I'm just going to act up and not work out and, eat crazy. And oh, especially the older I get, I just feel miserable physically, but mentally as well. And you're just not confident and it affects every aspect of your life. Sure. Sure. Um, 
with that, I think, you know, student athletes, one of the things coaches are always talking about is accountability. Um, and I think even as we grow and like we talked about our journeys and our process, like being self-accountable is, is something you're always, I think, working at um, yeah. if you're striving towards things. But how important is it to have that self-accountability and check in and then maybe also uh, the circle of people around you that are are, are going to give you quality feedback? Yeah, I think it's very important. And I think that I think the second part is so important because what I've realized is I'm I'm okay. I'm a, I'm a pretty hard worker. Like I'll get on a routine, I'll go work out, I'll push myself, I'll do these things, but I can also really trick myself, man. I, I can really or or not really trick myself, but trick others. I, I I know I can look in the mirror and go, man, you're not real, you're you're faking the funk, you're not really doing it. Um, but you can put on that good front for others. So to have those folks that'll not tell you really necessarily what you want to hear, but what you need to hear and just kind of hold you accountable and go, Hey man, how, how are things? Like, how, how are you really? How's your walk been? And, and how, uh, how you feeling? And, and not on a surface level, but uh, just a couple people that can really hold you accountable are huge. Cause I know in my experience, um, I can look like I've got it all together and I'm going great and I'm, I'm a leader and all these things, but inside I'm struggling. And I, and I, the biggest thing for me when I had, you know, kind of a, a downfall in my life was I didn't want to admit that. I didn't want folks to know that I, I wasn't perfect because, you know, in a leadership position, some folks may look up to you and you're like, no, I won't let them down. I'm supposed to be the one that, that has it, it, it going on. And, and I just don't. And so being vulnerable to admit that and being transparent with, uh, with some folks you trust is extremely important. So definitely being accountable yourself, but at the end of the day, we can be accountable to ourselves and then realize, man, I probably need a little bit more accountability outside of just me. Yeah. Uh, vulnerability is a topic we, we like on this podcast as well, because I think whether it's leadership, uh, our, our personal development, um, it, it's always a factor. And I, and I think um, you coming on here, sharing your story, right? Talking about challenging times, it, it can be vulnerable, but can you t talk about why it's okay for athletes to talk to someone, whether it's maybe a friend, uh, a professional, a coach, a parent, someone that they trust about things they're feeling or, or vulnerabilities that are in their life? Yeah, absolutely. I think the main reason it's okay and, and it's also so beneficial is because what you realize is a lot of these things we're thinking about, we're, we're kind of um, struggling with, they're, they're not really as... I don't want to say important as they seem to be in our mind, but once you let them out and you speak about them, you realize a couple of things. You realize one, you're not alone. Everybody's struggling. Everybody's got, you know, some form of these issues and they're usually just going to come right alongside you go, Oh, me too. Like, that's why I love when people have, you know, with a little bit of influence are vulnerable about different things. I'm like, Oh man, now I can speak up too. And then not only that, but it, it tends to lose its power a little bit. Like when it's inside you, it just, it just develops and it just continues to kind of grow like, man, this monster that we're like, and then you let it out and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that's, that's not as big as I thought it was. And we can, we can attack this with, you know, some strength and numbers and some support. And so it kind of loses, I always say that when you, when you, when you get it out there, it kind of loses its power. And then on top of that, like I said, to kind of reiterate, most of the time you realize, because when it's inside you, it's like, man, no one thinks like me. I'm just, I'm crazy. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we absolutely think like that. You're, you're normal. You're not alone, you know? So it's really good to do that. And that's the main reason for my book is like, man, I just want to be transparent and to look. Here, here it all is, man. And, and if it helps one person, encourages one person to A, 
you know, not go down that path or B go, Hey, I've been down that path. And okay. So there's life after this, we can recover from this. Um, it's just that vulnerability, that transparency that helps others grow and, and helps yourself grow and helps you realize, all right, okay, I can do this. Like not everybody's just going to judge me. And there's some folks that want to come around alongside me and encourage me. And it's, it's pretty awesome when people do that. Most definitely. I like how you talked about, <clears throat> you mentioned it losing its power. Cause I think one of the things we also do as athletes and as people is, uh, you know, we blame, we complain, we defend behaviors and certain things. And I always <clears throat> kind of tell athletes, you know, when we do that, we undermine our ability to change. But I think what you said really kind of connects that too, because that undermining is being vulnerable versus pointing the finger. And that really loses its power and allows that space to grow. And I think that yeah. I love, I just, that just made some connections for me, as you said it, just it. Awesome. Um, yeah. so, so loved hearing it, but uh, uh, you know, seeing your, your big smile and I can tell you're an oper you know, optimistic guy. What, uh, what is it you believe is possible for people? What do you, what do you want people to see in other people? Oh man, that's a good question, Ty. Um, well, I feel like one of my um, purposes is just to be an encourager. So rather that's like through a smile or, or through you know a text or an encouraging word or whatnot, I really do feel like um, you can pull people out of of their doubt mindset of they're not good enough or they can't just by encouraging them. I mean, really, and, and then and then by your life experience, right? Like, hey some things happen to me, right? Like some, you know, being again, vulnerable, transparent, like, I believe if you're able to encourage people by saying, Hey, you know, I've been through some tough stuff. Like, I know you don't want to talk about being sexually abused, or I know you don't want to talk about having addiction and having a, you know, parents that, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, if, if you take um, control of your thoughts, and you take control of your actions, and and you have some consistency and you're persistent in some ways and, and you identify and define what it is you want to do and then take those little steps day by day to do them, you're capable of so much more than you could ever imagine. And, and it's like just encouraging them, whether it's using your own personal story or just reading about others that have had success, you know, and like every single time the common factor is we didn't see all the failures. I mean, it's never like just, oh, yeah, yeah, you created that, invented that or started that company, sold that. And it was just like, oh, it was all gravy. It was like, no, man, we struggled so many times, had all these issues. And so that always encourages me when I read about leaders and I read about success stories and then go, man, they really had to persevere and be consistent here. So that's the key is kind of just not giving up before it's your time. Going to struggle. You're going to struggle. Take some steps back. But the, the hard part is I think a lot of folks quit before their breakthrough. And it's yeah. like, no, man, just hang on. I mean, it's like a war of attrition. If you just hang on long enough and just ride those storms, the good times are coming, right? So that that's my message to folks is just like, hey, you know, look, and rather it's, it's cool from parts of my personal story or just others that have encouraged me. It's like, no, you're not the first one to feel like you can't do this, but you can't think like that. And you've got to continue to just pour in those positive affirmations to yourself. And, and one it literally like sounds cliche, but like one step, one day at a time, and then, and then some time goes by and you look back, you're like, man, that was some accomplishments there. And so not to get so focused on the end goal, but the process, uh, you know, day to day. Yeah. And so I love how you talk about the the one step and the one day at a time, um, breaking it down to manageable <laughs> amounts, yeah. right? I think uh, it, it's helpful for athletes and just for, for in life. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, 
I always you talked about your beliefs and your faith earlier, and I think that's always kind of the start where I talk to athletes a lot about of you know where are your core values and then where are your goals, and you know the, there's things and elements in between. But um, how have you found when you live in better alignment with your beliefs and your faith has that translated to accomplishments that you're proud of versus times when you perhaps have have lived out of alignment of of maybe some of your goals and or your beliefs and faith yeah wow another great question Tyler uh you're bringing them man um man it's it's they're totally they're so related they're so correlated it's when I am living in that in my core beliefs and again you know my core beliefs come from you know my faith in Christianity and, and everyone's different in that but finding what that is for you and so for me knowing and believing that and then living in a, in a way that doesn't line up with that it's just a lack of freedom you know it's just or, or to put it on, on the other side of things when I am walking that out and, and I never do it perfectly but when I feel like I'm in alignment and I'm doing the things that I that I you know I believe line up with my faith and with what's right um there's just a freedom in that man there's just this freedom and you feel like you're being authentic and it feels really, really good. And then on the flip side of that, and I wish I was behind all this. I'm not. I hope I will be one day. But it's like, and even if it's just thoughts that don't line up with your uh, or agree with what you believe to be true or how you should be walking things out, um, you know, you, you feel kind of like a phony and you feel like an imposter and you feel like, oh, that's not a good feeling. And it's like you're always hiding from something or, or not being able to be yourself. And when you can be yourself, freely whatever your belief is and you're like man this is what i believe and i'm walking it out and and i'm being helpful to people and uh and not only that but i'm the best version of me when i'm walking this out and what freedom there is in that and again on the flip side it, it's a little bit more than a little bit restrictive because you just don't feel like you're being authentic and it's hard to go out and be your very real self you know i love that well said um looking back at baseball what uh what was one of the most uh proud moments you had on the mound Man, um, you know, I, I think it was my first major league win. I really do. It was just, um, you know, your major league debut, you'll never forget. And it was awesome. And I had a kind of a cool side story to it about the manager coming out and giving me one of those like TV uh, mound visits where I thought I was out of the game, but he like just asked me about some crazy stuff. So it's, it's a cool memory, probably one of my more fun memories without a doubt. But my, my first major league win kind of came um, just on kind of a r- random night where our starter didn't do so hot. And I got in the game early against the Rangers. And it was when they had, you know, A-Rod and Almero and Juan Gonzalez and Mike. Mm-hmm. Just they were just stacked, man. It was just one of those lineups where you be happy to get through that thing once, dude. But it was <laughs> early in the game. And so I had to go four or five innings and just kind of keep our team in it. And the, te- the team, we were behind. The team chipped away and got back in. And it was just just really cool. It was like uh, just thinking about just getting in the game, trying to do my job for the team and then letting them hang on and facing some of those good dudes multiple times and working my way through that lineup. It was just a cool memory for me. And I mean, it probably just speaks to I didn't have a very long career. I mean, a lot of guys did that several times, but it was like, man, this is where I really felt like I'm contributing. I'm a part of this team. Right. So um, that was probably my, my coolest, you know, I guess major league moment. Uh, there's, there's so many cool moments along the way and it could be, on a Tuesday night in some small town in the minor leagues, that was just awesome picking up a team win or whatever. But uh, that one kind of stands out for me. And, you know, they, they give you the, got the ball in my office and then a, another ball that they gave me, I gave to my parents. And so it just made for a great memory. How many, uh, 
years did you spend in the minors in your journey? Yeah. So I played a total of 15 years okay. and most of that was in the minors. I, okay. I got um, probably parts of four years in the big leagues and, and only one of those was like a full year. The rest were kind of up and down. So pretty much most of my 15 year career was minor league. So lots of cool minor league memories and bus rides and teammates and small towns and all that fun stuff. But uh, yeah, I would just say, I'd say the bulk of 15 years. And then, like I said, parts of four years and I got to get those little cups of coffee in the big leagues. Yeah. So talk, I, I think it's interesting because I always admire people that they always think, I think professional AAA can you, but I've been in a, a single A, a double A, a triple A in a professional clubhouse. Um, when they call it the show, they call it the show for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you talk about uh, just some of the realities and sacrifices of, of being, uh, you know, playing at the minor league level? And I think the love of the game you have to have to continue to play, um, to strive to get to your goal if the MLB is your goal. Oh, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people refer to the minor leagues as the grind, right? And rightfully so. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, but man, I just have the fondest memories. I really do. And I mean, you know, when you're in the trenches and night game, travel day, you know, whatever, just long, long bus ride and hotels aren't the best. And sometimes the clubhouses, the amenities aren't great. And, it, it, you know, you think back on it, you're like, yeah, it got a little grindy every now and then. But I just... Honestly, Tyler, man, I don't ever remember being like, oh, this sucks. And when guys did have that attitude or complain, I was just like, my perspective was always like, this is the only thing we've ever, or I've ever wanted to do. I assume most of you. And not many people would just love to be in our situation right now. I mean, yeah. really, like there's just so many folks that would just die to be here. And so I was kind of that guy, like I was pretty optimistic and kept a positive attitude. And when guys would be complaining, I'd be like, I bet if you went in there and asked for your release, they'd let you go home. And they're like, well, no, that's oh, well. not what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, you know what, man? I'm not going to just spend too much time dwelling on what's not perfect or right about it. And 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 it's it's well known that, you know, your, your you know, money or your whatever achievements come once you get that call and you're not guaranteed to get it. But any mindset that you're taking during, a, during the day when you're in the minor leagues of focusing on a negative of where you are, where you wish you were, it's just taken away from your opportunity to achieve that goal. And so fortunately um, I did have kind of a, a, a positive mindset that was instilled in me that kind of helped me through all that. Um, and so, yeah, man, I, I just have nothing but fond memories. I mean, I get it. Like, it, you know, it's not great or yeah. glamorous and you're certainly not making any money. And, and to, to um, you know, your point about making sacrifices, you're away from your family a lot and, and there's not a whole lot to show for it. So that's tough. For sure. And then I would go play winter ball to kind of make a little extra money. And right around the time your family's happy to have you home in the holidays, you're like, oh, I got to head over to Venezuela now. And your kids are like, ah, oh. so there's definitely a ton of sacrifice. And I've always said it, um, it really sets you up for a, a, a selfish mindset. You almost have to be to like reach that pinnacle, very selfish, very about yourself and, and your routine again, we back to routine, but like it all boils down to just, it's all about you. And that's a tough place to be and then be a, a great father and a great husband, a great friend in your community. It's just, I always felt like I had to be so hyper-focused on, on my stuff that it, it takes away a little bit. I think that's the hardest part. That's the biggest yeah. sacrifice is, is um, just not giving more of yourself. I will say I've always, um, my people that I know that played minor league baseball, they, they should write a cookbook on 
grilled cheeses, peanut butter and jellies and how to make anything on a George Foreman or waffle thing. Like that's like, like a minor, there needs to be a minor league cookbook on this genre, weird genre of food. But um, I know one of my experiences was I was in the the Charlotte Knights clubhouse and um, this guy walked next to me and kind of bumped into me and I looked over and he's trying to use the George Foreman to make a grilled cheese or something. And like, kind of like asked my colleague that was with us like who is that i'm like he looks familiar it's like that's hideo nomo <laughs> and i was like awesome. didn't he's still pitching like i didn't know he was still pitching in our in the system and he yeah. you know but he loved baseball so he's gonna he's gonna do what everybody else was doing and he was just as had no hitters and these other accolades yeah. but uh was just one of the dudes that i literally blended in <laughs> like, yeah yeah no it's wild man there's so many guys like that that hang on rather pitching and, and places independent ball or wherever where you'd be like, man, what, why are they still doing it? But they do it because it's what they know and they love it. They love the camaraderie. And they and that's the one thing always everyone says, right? Is like, yeah, I miss competing. And I miss, I miss being in the clubhouse and I miss bus rides and hanging with your buddies and all that. And, and you know, I, I think that's why a lot of guys like, like a day or like anyone else who goes, you know, they start over, they make plenty of money and they go coach in the, an a ball. And you're like, yeah. what you're on a bus ride. You've been in the big leagues for like 20 years. And they just love it, man. They just love everything about it. And I could see that before everything went down with me, I was on that path to like, man, I just want to be a lifer, be a, a big league bullpen coach. You know, this is what I want to be around this my whole life. And so I, I totally get it. And then God kind of sends you in a different direction. And you're like, oh, I didn't see that, that calling coming, but this is really cool. But I fully understand why guys do it, why they hang on and, and just continue to do it. No doubt. It's it's a, a lot of travel. That's for sure. Yeah. Um was there a coach in your journey, whether playing or, or after your career, coach, mentor that um, sticks out that had a great influence on you that you're grateful for? Oh, man, I've had so many good ones, man. Um, you know, one of my biggest mentors in the game is, is a guy named Gene Watson, and he didn't ever coach me. He's actually a front office guy. Um, and we got to know each other through uh, the town I live in now. Uh, but just talk about baseball guy. He's assistant GM for the Royals now. And he just always has the right answers or he's just that guy like, Hey, I need to know this. Boom. I'm on it. I know a guy, you know, whatever it is. And he's just like always willing to help anybody in the game. I mean, anybody period, but he's just such a pure, like true baseball guy. Like if I'm ever trying to help someone else or myself, it's like, Gino, what do you got on this? Oh, here you go, pup. Here's the number. Here's who you need to get in contact with. Here- and he just continues to be such a great mentor. Um, another guy that stands out for me um, that no one would ever know his name. His name's Andre Rabone, and he was an, um, my A-ball pitching coach. He never right. never pitched in big leagues, pitched in Mexico a little bit. Um, just dude, you talk about that guy was all about the crockpot, and so he never spent a dime on the road. Everything was in his crockpot in a minor league hotel. Like, oh, come over, I'm cooking this. But he dropped my arm angle, which gave me an opportunity to pitch longer. And, and I would have never made it without that that um, adjustment. And he had kind of the courage to go, hey, let's try this. I want to do anything to help you, you know, advance. And, and so he was always just giving me great advice and, and helping me along the way with tinkering. And, you know, hey, because I think the problem is to, not a problem, maybe a problem is when you're pretty good and you make it, you think I don't need to change much. Or you shouldn't think that. But I know I ran into that. Like, this has always worked for me. And it's like, no, there's got to be some adjustments and you've got to evolve here and you've got to, and if, had I not done that and Andre hadn't like, you know, been really, really good about, you know, pushing me and staying on me about, Hey, you know, if you want to make it, yeah. If you're just content being here, we were in a ball at the time for like my fifth year. He's like, but if we do this maybe. And so, 
just not only changed my career with the arm angle change, but just was a real encouragement. We still keep in contact and stuff like that. So it's always nice. And there's several other guys that, um, you know, would be there on the drop of a dime, you know, it's a brotherhood and they would just, if you needed anything or, or, or vice versa, it's like, I love the way that I always say baseball is a small community and sports in general, but we just always have each other's back. So there's so many, so many that I could mention, but those two really stand out to me. I like the, um, the, the being uh, coachable. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes another guest previously brought up, you know, there's a difference between teachable and being coachable um, yeah. in, in what you're open to. Um, yeah. Can you, and I was just had me thinking, uh, one of my college teammates, his younger brother pitched for a little while. And I remember him saying, asking him about, you know, what, what's been the biggest help, you know, between the major leagues and going back and forth. And he was like listening to my pitching coaches. And I was like, well, what about that? And he said, well, it took me because of my ego and things and, and hubris early on was that I feel things because I throw the ball. They see things because they, they see me throw the ball. Mm. And he's like, it was the melding between the see and the feel that kind of yeah. opened up some of his coachability that he's like, yeah, I can't see myself in the moment, throw the ball, but I do feel myself. Um, and so I think that <clears throat> balance of, you know, how to see, listen, feel kind of blends into yeah. being coachable and also just being a great person. Um, yeah. Any kind of tips that you would give pitchers or, or athletes on being open to trying new things, even though when we, Hey, I've, it's always worked for me. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would, and it's kind of a twofold answer. Cause I agree. And I think that's awesome. And I know like, especially when I was still pitching, I would give, I still give pitching lessons and love to teach and coach and encourage youngsters. But like a lot of times you'll be doing that and you'll go, Oh, that's what I'm not doing. Now that I'm seeing it on someone else and, and, you know, kind of talking through that with you, that applies to me too. So um, as you're kind of, the more you talk about it, like, you know, for me, I was a pitcher. So I was in the bullpen, like be talking about it all the time, talking about pitching, asking questions, looking at different grips. If you see a guy that's having a lot of success, Hey man, how do you hold your change up? Or, Hey, I noticed you do this. What's that about? Um, and just always being like inquisitive, open-minded. And then at the same time, find out what works for you. Cause like, for instance, in my example, I was in, I think like 12 organizations that's a lot of different pitching coaches, a lot of different strength and conditioning coaches, a lot of different theories and, and um, routines and whatnot. And so you've got to eventually come up with you're your best coach as well. And that only comes from being open minded and learning from you know others for sure. But then internalizing it and go this when I'm going well, this is what seemed to work for me. And then it doesn't mean it's perfect. But now it is OK, let's perfect that routine and really master everything we're doing here. And if you're having success, great. You still got to be able to learn. And especially if you're not, I think that's when you you certainly need to go, wait a minute. Is this really working for you or did it just used to work for you? So I think being open minded, having conversations, not not being afraid to act like, you know, I don't need help. I look where I where I made it. It's like, no, man, we all need, you know, to continue to improve every single day. So that's what I would encourage folks to be open minded about it. And then, again, internalize it and take bits and pieces from the best and find out what really works for you. Mm -hmm.